Hello and welcome to the third episode of Just Doing Our Cob. My name is Casey Serma. And as always, I'm Robbie Harbin. And today we're going to be talking about several different things. We just had the XFL debut. Casey and I are going to give a, a breakdown of what happened and what the future is looking like. Later on, we'll get into our usual segments, our betting picks, our daily fantasy. And then, of course, we'll end it with your recap of the week for Husker Sports, as well as a preview for next week. So let's get into it. So we just had the NBA trade deadline. Um, you had some bigger guys moved like Andre Drummond, D'Angelo Russell, Andre Gudala. It wasn't probably the most memorable trade deadline, but we're going to go ahead and break down some of the biggest winners and losers. So Casey, give me some of your initial thoughts on the things that happened over the trade deadline. I thought it was a pretty entertaining trade deadline at, at, from what we were talking about before. I just, it didn't seem like it was going to be that good going into it. We got a lot of different trades along the way that made some moves have some postseason implications uh, a couple of my winners and losers for this uh, trade deadline i would say the t wolves the timberwolves are a big winner at this trade deadline and getting d'angelo russell obviously just to appease carl anthony towns who's really good friends with uh, russell i mean that just makes sense to keep your star player happy and uh, maybe get some more pieces around those two guys to build around for the future and kind of improve there uh, another big winner is Marcus Morris and the Los Angeles Clippers getting traded from a dumpster fire like the New York Knicks all the way out to LA to compete for a championship play a pretty pivotal role on that bench out there is going to be huge for him and for the Clippers uh, some of my losers actually I only kind of focused on one loser here Andre Drummond big loser I mean he went from Detroit which is uh pretty much one of turned into a poverty franchise in the NBA and moved to another one in Cleveland three hours away and he probably thought before the trade deadline he was going to be on a competitor and a contender for a championship just didn't work out for him so now he has to waste away the rest of the season in Cleveland before he's a UFA what do you think Robbie who are some of your winners and losers you know I think one of my biggest winners um I completely agree with you with the Los Angeles Clippers and Marcus Morris I think that was a great move especially considering the Lakers were so close to getting him because not only are you adding Marcus Morris a 20 point per game score two-way player but you're taking it away from arguably the the favorite in the West right now another another big winner I liked was the Miami Heat I think they added some solid players with Andre Gudala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill. And, you know, I mean, they pretty much traded three guys who never play in Deion Waiters, James Johnson, and Justice Winslow because Winslow's always hurt for three guys that can actually play, come in and play a pivotal, a pivotal role. And then you look at a guy like Andre Drummond, he has, you know, the championship experience. He has all those finals with the Warriors. I think he can really come in and serve as a great great perimeter defender like he is because the, that's where the Heat have struggled so far this season. And then um, some of the losers, I did put the L.A. Lakers just because they didn't make any noise. Darren Collison's not coming out of retirement. They didn't get Marcus Morris. You know, they could have added a lot of pieces to their team over the trade deadline and they just didn't they didn't really get any better from it and then also I put the Detroit Pistons because like you said I mean they're a poverty franchise right now but they traded away a very good center that you probably could have gotten more for for almost nothing I mean John Henson Brandon Knight and what like a second rounder that's that's not a good trade I can't believe the Pistons made that you pretty much got Derrick Rose all alone up there and a an injured Blake Griffin now 
Yeah, I don't really understand that trade, especially with all the hype surrounding him before the trade deadline. Andre Drummond, you would expect him. I mean, he was talked about going to Boston, possibly even Toronto was linked to him at points. So him going to somewhere like that to just going to Cleveland is like a half year rental for a team that's not going nowhere. It just doesn't make much sense. And, you know, the Cavs, it looked like they were possibly leaning towards moving Tristan Thompson, but they didn't. So now they're stuck with Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond, who are nearly identical players. I think, obviously, Drummond's better. But, you know, you got two centers that really can't move the ball, can't kind of clog up the paint. You know, they're both good in their roles, rebounding, different things like that. But you kind of wonder what happens with Tristan Thompson now. If he gets bought out, possibly goes to a contender, that'll be interesting to watch. And then another team that I was looking at also was the Minnesota Timberwolves. I didn't put them as a winner, though, just because... I mean, you lose Andrew Wiggins, but you get D'Lo. I think that was an amazing trade for them. But I struggled to put them in the winner qual- in the winner column just because they got rid of Robert Covington and didn't really get a whole lot back in that trade, only like Evan Turner, some other small pieces. So that's where I struggled to put them as a winner. But I think that getting D'Lo was a huge move, obviously. Yeah, they weren't a team looking to win this year anyways. So it probably would have been better for them if they would have just went harder after D'Lo in free agency and got him then instead of having to trade some assets for him and not really getting much in return. But I think as a building block, Cat and D'Lo are definitely a solid duo to maybe entice a Devin Booker over in free agency or another premier NBA talent that might want to go up and play with those guys. Well, I think the thing with D'Lo and free agency is that he was a restricted free agent because Minnesota did go after him pretty hard, but then that's just matched uh, who was whoever's offer just to trade him away to get pieces in return so that they didn't lose him for nothing. So now that we're still in the NBA, let's go into our All-Star Weekend picks, which is happening here in just a couple days. Yeah, looking up and down the board for the skills competitions and NBA Saturday night, uh, we're going to go ahead and break down the skills challenge, who we think is going to win that, the three-point challenge, and the dunk contest. Who you got in the skills challenge? You know, looking at the skills challenge, I think there's some enticing guys. Obviously, Jason Tatum won it last year. Um, I think a guy like Bam Adebayo could be interesting. He's one of the better big men in the league, especially at distributing the ball and all around. I think he'd, he'd struggle to make like a three-pointer, though. I think uh, Pascal Siakam's also another pick I like, but I think overall I'm going to have to go with Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he's just a, a very good all-around guard. I think he's going to be able to get it done pretty quickly. What about you, Casey? Yeah, I like I like your uh, picks there. I, I do agree Spencer Dinwiddie is pretty good guard, fast, exciting young player. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. reason for that is, is usually it's like a young premier playmaker that wins it in years past, like Jason Tatum. Not ruling him out this year because obviously he's still young. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander has the agility to get through those exercises really, really fast compared to a lot of the other guys that are in it. Obviously subbing in for Derrick Rose. It'll be exciting to see what he can do on the national stage in that competition, I think. All right, so let's move on to the three-point contest. Who you got there? You know, uh, my dad's a Nets fan, so I'm going to go with Joe Harris winning the three-point competition. Obviously, he's having a little bit of a down year shooting the, the three ball at 40%. I mean, 40% is still fantastic, but a down year compared to his 47% that he was lighting it up from the arc last season. But I don't know. It's just kind of a crapshoot in this competition. Every single year, it feels like there's a new guy that kind of emerges and wins. Like, no one would have thought two years ago that Paul George would have bricked every single one of his shots. So... I'm just going to throw a name out there. I'm going to go with Joe Harris winning it this year. How about you? You know, this was this was tough for me because I love so many of these guys. I love Trey Young, Duncan Robinson, Damian Lillard, Buddy Heald, I think. And then obviously you got guys like Joe Harris, Devontae Graham having great seasons, great three-point shooters, Davis Berton, Zach Levine. 
I don't think Levine's as good of a three-point shooter as some of these other guys. He's a lethal scorer, but not necessarily a lethal shooter in my opinion. So um, I was obviously looking towards the lethal shooters. I was thinking a guy, you know, Duncan Robinson has been amazing for the Heat this year in his role as a three-point specialist. I was kind of leaning towards him, but overall I'm going with my gut. I'm going to go with Buddy Heald. He's been tearing it up lately since he since Luke Walton moved into the bench. I think a guy like Damian, Damian Lillard could still easily win it, but overall my pick is going to be Buddy Heald in the three-point contest. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Buddy Heald, he had a rough start to the season. I had him on my fantasy basketball team. He really wasn't paying off. Um, but like you said, that move to the bench definitely helped him out. Yeah, absolutely. So now we obviously have everyone's favorite contest, especially when you get guys like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. You know, we could possibly see that matchup again this, or not that exact matchup, but something that exciting with the guys, Pat Connaughton, Aaron Gordon, Dwight Howard, Derek Jones Jr. Casey, talk me through your pick on this one. You know, I'm going to throw another wild card out there. I'm going to go with Pat Connaughton winning this thing. And you know why? Mainly because I want to root for him to win this thing. Just because it's like he's a Nate Robinson type guy. I mean, he's obviously not as short as Nate Robinson, but everyone is counting him out before this thing even starts. He's got a massive vert. I think it was said 44 inches. We don't really get to see him dunk that much because he doesn't really play that much for Milwaukee and doesn't get those opportunities to show his vert in the game. But I think Pat Connaughton's going to have some stuff to show. And it's going to, and if. It works out that way. NBA Twitter will explode that night. Love it. Love that pick. But I'm going to go with Derek Jones Jr. I think that he's just the most athletic player of the bunch. You know, he also has an insane vertical. He makes these crazy dunks all the time, even in-game showcasing his uh, showcasing his skills. Um, I'm obviously excited to watch a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's been there before, done it before. And Dwight Howard, I don't think he has the same bounce as Superman Dwight, but I'm interested to see what he's able to do. Overall, though, like Derek Jones Jr., but I think that we have a really solid core of players here. I think it's going to be a very exciting dunk contest. Now moving on to the, the grand spectacle of All-Star Week on the All-Star Game. Last week, we picked some picks, uh, went through a fantasy draft of players and looked up and down our rosters. We, I thought we had some pretty solid rosters that were pretty balanced and would go pretty even all the way through four quarters. Doesn't appear that way for the all-star picks of Giannis and LeBron James in real life, though. Yeah, I think we were both better drafters than Giannis. Yeah, he has, what, what was it, All the he picked all the East starters, LeBron picked all the West starters, but after that, it was just very, very LeBron-heavy team. Well, I mean, the West alone was already better, just starter-wise. And then he went with, he took uh, JoJo Joel Embiid. He took Rudy Gobert. And he took Bam out of buy hole within, like, his first seven picks. Like, you don't need that much size, Giannis. You need shooting, and you got... Joel Embiid's an okay three-point shooter, but Rudy Gobert and Bam Adebayo, those are defensive centers. You know, that's not what you needed, Giannis. And his loyalty to Chris Middleton, I love it, but man, it kills me because Chris Middleton is not the best reserve in the All-Star game. Yeah, that's for sure. Just looking up and down, it it just doesn't seem fair at all. It seems like we're going to get a very lopsided affair in the All-Star game this year. Yep, so who do you have a... Obviously, I think we're both Team LeBron as far as winning the game goes, but who is your MVP pick for the game? My MVP pick for the game is going to be Anthony Davis. I think him and LeBron are going to have some highlight real level plays. Um, it's just going to be very exciting to see what he can do out on the floor. We see it with the Lakers, with LeBron and him. They're a deadly tandem. So he's my overall pick for MVP. He'll have some nasty dunks, maybe some nice passes, some deep threes. You never know what you're going to see in the All-Star game. You know, I was really, really leaning towards Anthony Davis because obviously in the All-Star games, they usually try to give it to the hometown guy. 
but there's no Chicago Bulls in, in the All-Star game this year. But Anthony Davis is from Chicago, has been rumored to even go back to the Bulls at some point. So I was really tempted by him, but I just I talked myself out of it. I'm going with Damian Lillard. I just He can shoot the ball from anywhere on the floor. He's really the only guy I can see in this All-Star game doing that. And so I think he's going to rack up a bunch of points, help Team LeBron win off the bench, and I, I think he's my MVP pick. You think he's going to be shooting like he is in the regular season right now? Absolutely. He's... I mean, he does it on double teams. I can't imagine in the All-Star game it'll slow him down. Yeah, he's certainly been an exciting player to watch this season. Been absolutely lethal for three and for my fantasy basketball team. Uh, Coming up next, we are going to be talking about the XFL Week 1 recap. Basically, this league has been at least for me, blowing away my expectations of what I thought I was going to see this weekend. How about you, Robbie? No, I was I was very impressed. Um, it was definitely a lot of fun seeing the the mic'd up guys, the hot mics coming off the sideline. Obviously, we had the f bomb on Saturday, which you know that's something that they're gonna. I'm sure they're gonna take care of trying to figure that out because you know you got guys coming off the field after just making a big play. They're gonna be hyped up. They're gonna be excited and not really paying attention to the fact that they're on TV. So I think that was probably my my biggest takeaway is just the the all inclusiveness of it. The, everything you see behind the scenes in the locker room is. I think that makes it makes it to where it can be a long-lasting league yeah there was just so much innovative like i've never seen camera guys line up five yards behind a field goal kicker on a field goal to get that up close camera angle they have like access that i've never seen in any other sports league it's just insane yeah definitely it's it's it was crazy to watch this week and i really hope it lasts you know and then probably my favorite part was maybe even that marquette king punt where the guy downed it and it ended up being a touchback and pat mcafee just going crazy on the sideline as as the espn analyst i thought that was so fun yeah him running over there and he's like i gotta go talk to that guy who just botched that perfect punt and then he went and sat down next to him and he's like what happened there and the guy looked back at him and just said, I thought he I thought he touched it, so I was going into the end zone to score. I think Pat got a little intimidated there. Maybe thought that the player was about ready to fight him or something, and uh, he decided to get out of there and just accept that answer. Yeah, he was just like, Oh yeah, I respect that. Yeah, definitely. That's a you know, that's a great answer. Yeah. He Pat McAfee's a punter at heart for sure. He definitely did not want to be by that linebacker. No, we get we definitely I, I just like the whole aspect. Like I never thought I'd be watching the league on saturday and then all of a sudden kicker misses a 35 yard pooch kick for a field goal and then all of a sudden he's got a mic in his face coming off the field like you don't expect to see that yeah definitely i agree i mean just the fact that after any big play happens there's a mic immediately in their face is so fun to watch i also love the fact that they're including betting into the into the game much more obviously you had the spread on the screen, the over/under on the screen. I think that's really kind of the, where the future of betting is going to be. I think I think it could be cool if they add live odds into the game and kind of update the money line as it goes and the spread as it goes. But that's something that I'm sure they're already looking at doing down the road. What What do you think about adding the the live betting, Casey? Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool, especially with how the over/under in most games sitting there was completely a useless stat because it was pretty much guaranteed that almost every game was going to hit the under the whole way through. And I think they all did. All four did hit the under last week so that could be a place maybe like you said they could include live betting odds it'd just be something cool to watch from the couch you know like oh the money line's going up for this team so you can kind of see how that goes track how that goes up and down something we don't really traditionally see on sports tv programming yeah definitely what do you think about the uh the kickoff rule and how that all played out i personally love that too it's just i hated in the nfl ever since they did the third move the kick up to the 35 a few years ago Every single kick is either a touchback. It's just a wasted play. 
you know where it's going to be most of the time. And if they do get the ball, it's eight, eight yards deep in the end zone and they come out and get to like 25. The return team's already there. I don't know. It's just a, it's a lot more fun. And I feel like it's a safer play, honestly, than the, what the NFL is doing right now because they're only lining up five yards and hitting each other. And I remember from football practice, you can't really generate much speed going that hitting someone from five yards away. So I thought that was a really cool innovation. I would love to see a practice in the NFL, something like that. It looks a little goofy at first, but watching it, I think it has potential to be some big plays and exciting play for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. And I think that when the NFL moved the kickoff to the 35, like you you talked about, it was in order to try to be safer and try to eliminate some kickoff returns. And now it has become kind of a wasted play. Um, You still have teams like the Patriots. I know Bill Belichick always tries to kick it off to like the one or two and make him return it because he just feels that they'll get less than the get to less than the 25 yard line that they would from a touchback. So, yeah, I think it's a safe a safe play. Obviously, I think it can still bring some excitement on kickoffs waiting until the the returner catches it. All right, so I think that about sums it up for our XFL talk for now. We'll get into some more stuff later on in the show, so be sure you're still listening. But for now, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Mookie Betts trade from the Boston Red Sox. Honestly, I think this makes the Dodgers an instant competitor. I mean, very rarely do you see a player of that caliber get traded. Usually it's through free agency or something they leave. But, I mean, you're getting an MVP candidate and a 300-plus batter every single season on your team. That's that's making a huge impact in the offseason and really contending with the Yankees for the best lineup in baseball right now. I mean, Mookie Betts, since he has came into MLB, he is seventh all-time in wins above replacement. He's second since he came into the league of active players behind Mike Trout. That is insane. You can't. You just can't get that kind of production from some random outfielder. The fact that the Red Sox even actually gave him up when they were disputing like two years and like a total of forty million dollars to me is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, you get you're getting a player that's twenty six. I mean, baseball primes last well into your thirties most of the time. I just don't understand. It's a similar situation with the Indians right now talking about trading Francisco Lindor. I just don't get it. I mean, you grow these guys through your farm system. You work with them every day on getting better play out of them and you develop them into this franchise level talent you just give it up i I just don't get it yeah but at least now the red sox are under the luxury tax i guess but yeah with their their newly acquired uh president of baseball chain bloom and that's like his first major move is getting rid of arguably the most liked current player on the red sox Dustin majority is probably still up there but obviously doesn't doesn't play as much anymore has had dealt with some injuries over the past couple of years but to me it seems like when you become the president of a team and given this power probably not your best first move is to trade away uh Mookie Betts and your best player but then also I mean they gave up David Price so that alone you know that definitely boosts the the Dodgers pitching rotation too yeah that's honestly that's huge and I've seen a lot of people talk about this trade like it could be the second coming of the Babe Ruth trade and if that's what it ends up being for the Red Sox, I feel sorry for them because they're let they're losing out on quite the special player. Yeah, well, if that happens, we'll see another Red Sox World Series in about a hundred years. So make sure you're make sure you're watching that one in thirty twenty for the Red Sox World Series. I don't think that they're going to get a longer drought than my Indians right now. So hopefully for you guys at least. Yeah, I hope so. I'm still upset about it, but that's all right. With the Super Bowl just wrapping up a week ago, a little more than a week ago, actually, we're going to take a look at what we think the future of the NFL is going to look like this offseason. Maybe some free agent acquisitions we're hoping move around. Uh, maybe our team profiles, who we're, who we're thinking the Patriots and the Bills are going to look like next year. 
Uh, what do you got, Robbie? What who are you hoping? What are you hoping most to see in this uh, off season? Tom Brady re-signs with the Patriots. That is all I want. That's all I need. I, th- I think we're just in for an incredible offseason. You have a bunch of really good quarterbacks that are hitting the free agent market. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Phillip Rivers, obviously with the Chargers, they are splitting ways. Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Case Keenum. The quarterback market right now is arguably as good as it's ever been. I'm really interested to see where those guys end up. Obviously, as a Patriots fan, I'm most concerned with Tom Brady, my boy coming back. Um, Casey, what are you most looking forward to? Being a Bills fan, I am looking forward to see what the team can do in free agency this year. They're a puzzling team for me because I really don't know what they're going to do for the first time in a very long time. Last year, it was pretty obvious that they were going to try and supplement and get a lot of uh, depth pieces for their team, like uh, John Feliciano that actually turned out to be a pretty good starter. Guys like that that can fill in and play. Um, solid players that kind of go under the radar. They went with a lot of those guys last year, like a John Brown or a Cole Beasley, those type of players, but they actually turned out to be pretty solid. This year, I'm curious to see if we're going to do more of that or if the Bills are going to go after that big fish. Like They need a number one wide receiver more than any other team, it seems like. They could go and get an Amari Cooper-type wide receiver if he somehow escapes Dallas's clutches. I would absolutely love to see that. Overall, I'm just... It's intriguing with no quarterback change or anything like that coming off a playoff season to see what they're going to do. Um, Some of the guys that we talked about too, like Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, a lot of quarterbacks are going to be on the market, possibly even a Cam Newton as a trade candidate, depending on what Rule wants to do. So it'll be a very exciting offseason for sure. You know, I think the Buffalo Bills just need to sign some of those guys back from the XFL this weekend. Former Buffalo Bills scoring all those touchdowns. Yeah, it seems like every single play, Kari Lee, Austin Prohl, Keith Ford, there was so many guys from former Bills. I mean, Cardell Jones even was drafted by the Bills. Never really got a chance to play there, but there was just so many former Bills playing in the XFL. And I guess it's as long as the, this team is good, which I think they are, 10-6, and six, they're cutting talent like that it means that they have good players sitting there on their team so as as sad as it is to see some of those guys go and play lights out and good like that in the xfl it's exciting to know the depth that we have in buffalo yeah absolutely then as far as the patriots go i mean obviously waiting to see what tom brady does but you know besides that they absolutely need to get whatever quarterback is on their team next year whatever quarterback starts they need to get them some help you know obviously lost a guy like gronk last season after his retirement julian edelman was great all season but he does have a bit of a drop problem but he's a very serviceable very good number one wide receiver they traded a second round pick to get muhammad sanu he didn't pan out he really didn't do anything spectacular in his time in new england on the the back end of the season philip dorsett spent some time being hurt but even then you know it feels like you can get better two three options better tight end options i'm sure they'll try to address some of this stuff in the draft because they did draft Nikhil harry last year a rookie wide receiver from arizona state he didn't pan out you know it just seems like the patriots got to worry about getting healthy on offense and getting playmakers for tom brady jared stidham whoever ends up quarterback in there next year yeah, I'm intrigued to see, as obviously we're division rivals here, what the Patriots do. Are they going to go into a rebuilding stage? Are they going to bring all the guys back and try and go for another championship? As a Bills fan, it intrigues me to see what the Patriots are going to do, if they're going to continue to be that same team that they always have been. I just can't wait for the Patriots to sign a guy like Phillip Rivers. Tom Brady goes to the Chargers, and then we got a Chargers-Patriots uh, AFC Championship, Bill versus Brady, to go to the Super Bowl. I think that would be crazy. Wouldn't that be nuts if Philip Rivers actually won a game too? A playoff, a playoff game, game yeah. of that substantial like level, and the only the only reason he hasn't is because he had terrible coaches like Norv Turner and all those guys. It'd be fun to see, that's for sure. 
other things coming up in the next season. What do you think about, I know it's way too early, Super Bowl just ended last week. We haven't seen any acquisitions, any of that stuff. Who is your early favorite to win next year? You know, I think, oh, this is a tough one. I think the Ravens are going to be right in the mix again, uh, especially in the AFC. They return a lot of their guys. They're going to get a healthy Tony Jefferson back to help anchor that defense, along with Earl Thomas. Um, Lamar Jackson, obvious MVP candidate. You got the Chiefs, who are going to be really good in the, again next year. Don't I don't think they're really losing any big pieces. So I think, I think I'm going to go with one of those young young quarterbacks from the AFC. Um, I'm going with the Chiefs or the or the Ravens is my early Super Bowl pick. That's a pretty good pick, I think. The AFC obviously is going to have a lot of power. I'm kind of leaning towards a different team, an NFC team specifically, that's going to make a run at this the next year. The Chicago Bears. Definitely not. <laughs> Maybe with Cam Newton they get excited and might make a playoff spot if they trade for him or whatever their plan is. But Mitch Trubisky's in there. They won't even sniff the playoffs. <laughs> Guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing if he can be that veteran presence and get back to MVP form that he was in early in the season. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. If they can get a lot of help that they're planning on getting around Russ and the rest of the team this offseason, obviously it depends on how the offseason goes because they need to they need help. But a guy like that playing at MVP level, MVP level Russell Wilson can get back to that game and win it next year, no problem. Yeah, and they should get a guy like Will Disley back who obviously tore his Achilles early on this year, but he's a great playmaker at tight end. And then I guess my final question for you, Casey, based on the NFL NFL season is two years ago we had Pat Mahomes breakout, last year Lamar Jackson's breakout. Um, one of the guys I'm looking at next year as far as the breakout goes is Kyler Murray. I think Arizona's going to add help for him. I think he was tremendous in his rookie year with, with Cliff Kingsbury at the helm. Who's a guy like that that you could see breaking out next year? This is an interesting pick. Usually when you talk about breakouts, like we said, it's more, mostly a quarterback that's going to mm-hmm. break out. My pick, and as long as their offseason goes well, Josh Jacobs from the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders. I think he has all the talent in the world from the few Raiders games that I've watched last year that can he can be that groundbreaking back. It wouldn't surprise me if they get a solid offensive line around him in that first year of Vegas, all that excitement that he could put up like an 1,800-yard season and be that guy. He showed it this year. You know, I also have a running back pick. You're going to love this one. I think a guy like Devin Singletary can absolutely have a breakout season next year. He showed what he can do as a rookie out of FAU. He was tremendous all season. I think, obviously, splitting touches with Frank Gore hurt his numbers, but I think that he will absolutely shift to the main primary guy in Buffalo, running with an offense where Josh Allen's the quarterback, obviously running a lot of running between the two of them. I think he is going to ease in for a breakout season next year. I hope so. He is an exciting player to watch. Not the top-end speed that you would expect from a guy that's 5'7", but he has that that quick cut and that quick twitch motion that can make any player miss, kind of like Shady McCoy. Obviously not the speed of him, but he also is a bruiser inside the tackles for being that tiny. I'm really excited to see what he does in the future. All right, so let's go ahead. We're going to move on to our daily fantasy segment now where, of course, I'll be talking you through some NBA games. Casey will be talking to you about some NHL players he likes. And then we'll both go ahead and talk about some XFL guys now that we have a week in the books. So some of the NBA guys I like for this weekend are Alec Burks, who obviously newly acquired 76ers guard. He's playing the Nets and the Bucks. He's been balling out lately. His stats and his numbers have just been insane. He's coming off the bench. He's hitting threes for him. And that's obviously what the Sixers needed was a good three-point shooter because they don't really have anyone. In some of his more recent games before he went to the Sixers, he dropped 30 uh, on 5 of 10 from 3, 9 of 17 from the floor. 
before that he dropped 15 before that 18 so he's a guy that you can still get for cheap that when he makes his debut this week and he should be a good play another guy i do like is another guy I like is paul george he's had 20 plus points in four of their last five they play the kings which should be a relatively easy matchup the kings are not a great defensive team um, since he has been playing less this year, his salary is a little bit lower for the talent that he has. So that's another really good play for this weekend. Casey, who you liking in the NHL? Uh, yeah, looking up and down the NHL uh, over the last week. A lot of my guys kind of faded out last week, unfortunately. Um, just, I guess, what happens in daily fantasy. You never really truly know what these guys are going to do. But we do have some hot guys coming in this week for you. Uh, high dollar guys looking at uh, John Tavares. Seven points in his last four games, five goals, two assists, and that Toronto Maple Leafs lineup is really catching fire. Uh, another guy from that team, Austin Matthews, four goals, two assists in his last four games. So if you could couple those guys together, you're going to have to take some lower-end salary guys with them, but they will pay off, and they are on some really hot goal streaks right now. And another guy, obviously the reliable Nikita Kucherov, one goal, five assists in his last three games. Uh, he's a big player. No matter what time, you could plug him and play him. Most of the time, he's going to get you points. And looking at some of the lower salary guys coming up this week, Kyle Connor, eight points, three goals, five assists over the last week for the Jets in four games. He's been on fire. Guy Kyle Connor like that. I think his streak is uh, sustainable because obviously they have a very easy schedule coming up. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that going. Another guy, Kevin Fiala for the Wild, seven points. Four goals, three assists in his last four games of the Wild. He's putting up points like he hasn't in his career. I don't know if this one is as sustainable, but you might as well get on his hot streak right now because you never know when that one's going to end. Colton Pareko, four goals, one assist for five points total in his last four games of the Blues. Big D-man for the Blues that can go out there and get you some points. A lot of his points coming in on the power play, so it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up going forward. Just a note, some of these high-dollar guys, obviously – Austin Matthews and John Tavares are going to be tough to get on the same lineup. So if you can couple them with other guys on those lines, lower salary guys on those lines, odds are they're going to touch the puck and at least get some assists on some of these points. So just a tip going forward, I would highly recommend coupling the guys on these lines with them. I'm a guy that likes to play guys on the same line. I feel like it pays off big when you have a three-point night from each of your players on that line. Obviously, you can have some duds, but I think that'll work out for you. Looking forward to the XFL this weekend. Who do you have as some of your keyed in on players? You know, one of the guys I'm really liking this weekend is Jeff Bidette, the Dallas Renegades wide receiver. Um, obviously, Landry Jones will be returning. They have that Oklahoma connection. Jeff Bidette didn't really touch the ball too much over this past week um, with Philip Nelson at quarterback. I, I highly expect that to change just because, um, obviously, Landry Jones is familiar with him, loved him at Oklahoma. Another guy I really like is Khalil Lewis, uh, wide receiver for the Houston Roughnecks. This past week, their offense went nuts with uh, P.J. Walker, and he had five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. He seems like he's one of the lower salary wide receivers on that team. I expect him to still air out the ball. I expect him to get a lot of touches again next week. Casey, what about you? Two guys I'm really looking at uh, going forward in the XFL. Uh, Landry Jones, he's my big salary pick he's going to be a big salary pick this week as long as he's good to play which i believe he was cleared to play this last weekend's games but he just didn't make it because he didn't have the reps in practice eligible to play he's going to have a big weekend for the renegades i have a feeling obviously going up against a team like la that just lost their defensive coordinator 
or fired the defensive coordinator after one bad game, just got lit up by Philip Johnson with a similar air raid offense last week. I think he's going to have a huge game coming in for the Dallas Renegades. Another guy I'm looking at is Daniel Williams from Tampa. Despite Aaron Murray's struggles as a quarterback, and he looked borderline Nathan Peterman-like out there on Saturday or Sunday, uh, he had six receptions for 126 yards going up, and he's going up against a soft defense in Seattle this weekend. Daniel Williams led the league in receiving yards. I really expect him to have a huge game this weekend going forward. Uh Looking at our picks of the week, who do you have? First off, my lock of the week. I lost last week. I went with the Wildcats. They obviously struggled, could not stop P.J. Walker to save their lives. So I'm going to have a bounce back this week. I'm going with Team LeBron in the All-Star game. I think they are going to obliterate Team Giannis. Whatever the spread is, take it. Go Team LeBron. I'm all in on Team LeBron. Another game I like, I do like the Celtics at home against the Clippers on Thursday night. Um, The Celtics have been one of the better against the spread teams all season long, especially at home. I think they can cover. I think they are a great matchup for the Clippers, and I expect them to cover against the spread, so that's another really good pick. Casey, who do you like this week? Well, with my lock of the week, last week coming in, I had the Blue Jackets over the Red Wings, and they covered the one-and-a-half-point spread, the Red Wings being one of the worst in the league. I've been Pretty hot on the NHL pick so far this season. So I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I'm going to go with the Caps over the Coyotes this weekend. The Capitals are going on the road. They are the best team at covering the spread in the NHL this season. The Coyotes cover the cover the spread under 50% of the time. So they're really struggling to get that spread for. Uh, the Caps are 26-1 and one on the road this season outright. So And they are riding a hot streak against the spread too. In their last seven road games, the Capitals are 6-1 and one against the spread. The line will probably have the Coyotes favored, but if it doesn't, even if the line is 1-1 one and one, or 1.5 one with Washington coming to town, I'm still going Caps over the Coyotes. I think that they're going to have a huge game against the Coyotes and just win you some money. What You got another lock of the week? Any other? You know, I was looking for, for XFL games, uh, the lines that come out, which they haven't yet. I do really like Dallas, like we mentioned earlier, going up against Wildcats, who just lost their defensive coordinator. Um, I think that they really struggled last week to move the ball with Philip Nelson at quarterback. I think Landry Jones will come in and change that. So I think I think Dallas has a big game, gets back on the right track with uh, Coach Bob's dupes against the Wildcats. That's pretty funny because I actually have the same exact pick, the Renegades over the Wildcats. We're both. This is a Renegades fan podcast we got going on here. I looked up an article earlier because they haven't released the spreads yet, but it did say that they're expecting a plus four point spread for the Renegades. So I just look for I think that they're going to win this game outright anyways, and otherwise it'll be pretty, If even if it is pretty close, I think Landry Jones at least gets that within the four points on the road against the L.A. team that just fired their defensive coordinator. I really like all things Renegades this weekend. Hopefully they can get the job done. You know, Landry Jones is our ride or die here on the show. So talking about the Renegades, we're going to go ahead and move into our next segment with Is It an Overreaction? Where Casey, go ahead and give me your first take. All right, my first take this week for you, Robbie, is that the Dallas Renegades will have an elite offense in the XFL when Landry Jones returns. I think you are overreacting, and here's why. 
I think they will be a lot better than they showed last week. I think they'll be able to move the ball ball downfield a lot better and be one of the better offenses. I'm just not sure how elite any XFL team's offense can actually get because you have receivers dropping balls. These aren't obviously the top caliber guys. So I think Landry Jones will have a big boost on them, but I don't think they will become elite. That's a pretty bold take. I would have to disagree with you there just because, you know, I got to support the squad no matter what here. But I don't know. I'm just I, I think when Landry I saw a lot this weekend from Bob Stoops and Hal Mommy's offense that just kind of resonated with me. There was a lot of open receivers. And I think that a, a good QB, not someone like Philip Nelson, would actually be able to hit those routes. I think Landry Jones can get the job done and really move the ball against some of these teams in the XFL. Yeah, Philip Nelson needs to stick to his uh, Instagram and underwear modeling. Yeah, I, I honestly, when I saw him trot out in the field, I thought they were pulling out a punter to go ahead and play quarterback for them. So, And he looked like it, too, most of the game. Yes, he did. All right, so Casey, my first take for you. Is it an overreaction that Andre Iguodala, Jay, Car- Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill will make the Heat an elite contender in the East? I am going to go with that that is an overreaction. And one thing that could change that is if Andre Godala returns to playoff form. But I just don't see taking a, a half a year off that it's beneficial. Maybe he could come out hot. I don't see it happening. The biggest piece of that trade, I think, is Jay Crowder. He's been fantastic defensively for the Grizzlies. I can't believe they gave him up. Uh, so if there is something that's going to make them a, an elite contender out of that trade... I would go Jay Crowder over Andre Godala right now. Solomon Hill is a nice depth piece, but I don't think he's going to provide that much for the Heat. What do you think, Robbie, since this is your team? You know, I think it's going to make him an elite contender. I think I have a lot of faith in Iggy. He's still in great shape. Obviously, Jay Crowder got a, a double-double already in his first game with the Heat, provided a great spark off the bench. And like I mentioned earlier, I mean, they got rid of three guys who never played for three guys who can play and give them good minutes. So I think I think it'll add a lot of depth to the Heat and make them a contender. I just I have trouble seeing them getting over the hump with these guys, even without them going. It's just, I don't know. The, the team hasn't been tested in the playoffs. Obviously, it's a lot of new guys. Jimmy Butler wasn't there last year. He got, got rid of some of the old guys, like Tyler Johnson was gone before the season, uh, Justice Winslow. I just don't know what this team can do in the playoffs. Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I just I don't know yet. Oh, they're proving you wrong, Casey. Love to see it. Now, my next take for you, Robbie, is the Portland Trailblazers will make the playoffs this season. Casey, that is not an overreaction. The way Damian Lillard has been playing, the way Hassan Whiteside's been playing, I think they have a very good shot. The tough part is that they are in a West where they have so many good teams. Um, Obviously, they're only a game out of eighth place, or sorry, two games out of eighth place right now uh, behind the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't really see them getting past the eighth seed just because those top seven teams' records right now are so incredible. Like right now, they're seven and a half games out of the seven spot from the Mavericks. I do think that the Grizzlies are going to fall a bit, especially giving up guys like Day Crowder and Solomon Hill who had that veteran experience on the team providing minutes. I think the Grizzlies are building for the future, and that's why they got Justice Winslow in that trade. That's why they got Gorgie Dieng eventually for James Johnson. So I do think the Trailblazers hopped in and get that eighth spot in the West. Yeah, with the way Dame's playing right now, I agree with you. I, I just can't see a way that they don't. And I think Yusuf Nurkic is coming back soon too, so that is a huge addition to their team. It's only going to make them better. Yeah, absolutely, because when whenever you have a guy like Yusuf Nurkic or Hassan Whiteside on the floor, that's a great center for nearly 48 minutes. I'd imagine that they'll play separate a lot just because of, of their play styles. Yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be great for, for Portland. 
All right, Casey, my next take for you. Is it an overreaction that the Houston Rockets small ball lineup is the future of the NBA? I am going to go ahead and say that it is an overreaction. And the reason that I say that is because I don't believe that this is the future of the NBA. It's it's a very complex system that you can't really run all the time, especially if shooters like James Harden get and Russ is very inefficient. If they're not able to shoot the ball well, that team is going to lose a lot of games in the playoffs. But then again, it could be like a 2015 Golden State team that was starting or playing Draymond Green at the five a lot. They could get hot and score and go all the way to the Western Conference Finals, maybe even more than that. I don't know. It's just very tough to see, especially with so many talented bigs coming out in the next couple years that can do everything, run the perimeter, can play in the paint. I just don't see it possible that a lot of teams are going to convert to the small ball. Yeah, I agree. I, I was very, very shocked that not only that they dealt Capella, but that they didn't bring a, a center anywhere after that. I figured that they'd try to go for a guy like Tristan Thompson, Andre Drummond, like we mentioned earlier. But I was pleasantly surprised in their first game against the Lakers and Anthony Davis. They actually they played it pretty dang well with PJ, uh, PJ Tucker, Robert Covington playing great defense, and they actually won that game by 10 points. I was like, man, you know, you're going this small in your first game against Anthony Davis. He's going to drop like 50 and he he did have a pretty good game but overall the Rockets got the dub I was pretty surprised by that yeah if you can limit the other team's guard play I feel like with a small ball lineup you can win those games obviously the matchup the mismatch between uh, PJ Tucker and a guy like Anthony Davis a guy who can get down the floor a lot faster than Anthony Davis is huge but there is also the mismatch at the other end that is going to allow a guy like that to score a lot of points especially in the playoffs yep yep my next take and final take for you Robbie is that the Mookie Betts trade will get the Dodgers over the hump and win them a World Series? You know, I yeah, I have to agree. They've been so close, obviously, the past couple of years, and they didn't really. They lost obviously some great prospects, but didn't lose anyone from their actual MLB roster that is an immediate help win now guy. Um, like Mookie Betts, obviously David Price boosting the pitching rotation. Casey, I already know you talked about this earlier that you think it does get put them over the hump, and I completely agree. I think Mookie Betts is a great addition, so is David Price for that team. That team has probably the best outfield I'm, I've ever seen. I mean, some of those guys are just... It seems like every single one of them is an MVP candidate. Why, why are we even going to play this MLB season? Just put the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series now. Let them duel it out. Yeah, we should. that's what they should do. They should just do a 162-game season between the Yankees and the Dodgers and just have them see who the winner is at the end of it. If it's 81 and 81, that's unfortunate. I guess they both split the trophy in half and take it half home with each other. Or we just add a game, make it 163, just to be safe. Yeah, I, as an Indians fan, I just don't feel like the season has any point. There's, I mean, they're they're going to be selling a lot of pieces. They're building for the future again. And that process in baseball just seems to take forever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Red Sox, I think they'll still be fun to watch. They saw some guys that really like J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts. They saw a lot of all-star potential, but maybe wild card at best. They're definitely building for the future with getting under that luxury tax. I don't really have high expectations for this Red Sox year. All right, Casey, my last take for you. We obviously just had a big Duke, North Carolina crazy game, but it was nearly unwatchable because of their uniforms. That is not an overreaction. I have decent sight, and I obviously I wear glasses, but no color blindness, and half the time I really could not tell who was who. Just the, t- the jerseys are too similar. I don't really like games where you have two of the same solid colored uniforms. They started doing it in the NBA a little bit more. 
Obviously, with a brighter color and a darker color, it works a lot better. But a powder blue and a royal blue, it's just it's so hard to distinguish. And I remember when the Bills and the Jets did this for Thursday Night Football. They did a green on a all red, and it was all green, all red. And I had no problem seeing it, but I know the colorblind audience at home had incredible difficulty telling who was on which team because of the way that their eyesight works. I think it is not an overreaction. It was very hard to watch because those jerseys were some of the ugliest ones I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. Not only because of the colors and confusing who is who, but yeah, I just, I didn't like them. Like, you know, even if Duke could have gone with like black jerseys in Carolina with baby blue or powder blue, I think that could have been okay. I still didn't love the the design of the jerseys like, like you had mentioned, but yeah, I think that took away a little bit from what was a great, absolutely great game. Yeah, I don't think we're expecting that either with what Carolina going in at 10 and 13 yeah, play they, like that. Yeah, and they were only like 7 and 5 with Cole Anthony this year before, or before that game. So, I mean, you know, he's obviously a great player, but it's not like he was just immediately turned them into a winning team after his injury and he came back. Now, do you think that North Carolina is going to make the tournament? Do you think they can make a late season run and go and get it? You know, I'm going to say yes, just because I think they can do well in the ACC tournament. Obviously, you have guys like Duke, Florida State still in there. Um, but I trust Roy Williams. Roy Williams, I think Cole Anthony can possibly lead them there. I think he obviously needs to play a little bit better and really be a leader and an elevator for that team for it to happen. But I, I don't think it's crazy to think. I think if I was a betting man, if I was a betting man, which I kind of am, I'd put money on North Carolina going to the tournament. It'd certainly be a strange year if North Carolina was not in the tournament. I, I can't even remember the last time that happened. Yeah, guys like them, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, all those blue teams are always in the tournament. Yeah, the blue bloods, they never lay down, it seems like. Yep. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to move on to our Husker sports uh, segment for the week. Obviously, we talked about softball starting up this this past week. They did go down to New Mexico. They went 3-2 and two down there with two wins over UTEP, but went over Bradley. Um, they lost to Arkansas, which was a, a pretty rough loss. Other than that, they played well. Women's basketball had two games at Iowa versus Indiana. They ended up losing both. Iowa was a pretty rough one, lost 76-60. Indiana wasn't too bad, 57-53. It felt like they were in that game, and they could have won that game, but they unfortunately didn't. Wrestling had meets at Purdue and Indiana with two just massive wins, 31-9, 35-6. Men's basketball went to Iowa, lost 96-72 in a game that they just never really were competitive in. And then, of course, women's gymnastics played or took on Maryland and won 196.175 to 193.525 yeah it's an it's an up and down week in sports that's for sure i know last week we talked about both of us are going to start paying attention to the wrestling team more i definitely did that i'm not the biggest wrestling fan but this team definitely has the potential to be special nine and three on the season four meet win streak uh with a big one coming up friday against michigan at the devaney center uh, another team women's gymnastics four and two three and one in the big 10 obviously they're a big competitor in the big 10 every single year continuing that way but uh, the women's basketball team they might be letting us down yeah you know they were it seemed like they were on the bubble for the tournament too almost like an obviously not the blue blood that north carolina is in men's basketball but kind of in the, a similar situation where they were winning some games they were supposed to but couldn't really get a, any big ones done yeah that loss obviously the one against iowa but that one against indiana felt like it really hurt because they could have won that game yeah they're now on a four game loss streak uh, dropping to five and eight in conference play after that 10 and one conference start it's not what you like to see from uh, amy williams team that looked like it was improving earlier in the year I mean, there's still time. They got the rest of the Big Ten schedule and the Big Ten tournament. We'll see if they can turn it around. 
Yeah, then as far as men's basketball go, I mean, obviously we talked, one of your overreactions uh, last week was that they'd win three more games. That loss against Iowa certainly did not help because while it wasn't an easy win, it was kind of one of the more winnable games on their schedule remaining, so that's a tough one for, for the team. So now taking a look at next week, some of the events we have going on. Track and field is going down to Kansas for the Gorilla Classic. We got women's basketball in action versus Penn State at Northwestern looking to end that losing streak. Um, baseball's going to be starting up with a weekend series at Baylor. That should be exciting especially with with a new coach, new team for for Nebraska. We got softball going down for the to Atlanta, Georgia for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, taking on Georgia Tech and Boston College. Casey already teased this one a bit. Uh, we got wrestling versus Michigan and then of versus Michigan and then of course we have men's basketball versus Wisconsin and again one of their most winnable games for the rest of the year. Casey, what are you most looking forward to? Um being a huge basketball fan, I am looking forward to the men's and women's basketball game. The women's basketball game on Thursday should be an easier one for them to win against the Penn State team. It's going to be tough, though. It's uh, as every Big Ten competition or Big Ten game is tough, just because of how physical and demanding the league is. You never really know who's going to win every night. So I'm hoping they can win, but we'll see. Uh, coming Thursday, another. It's just so tough to watch the men's basketball team falter like this after being borderline tournament team the last couple of years, losing eight straight going into this one. I hope they can turn it around just for the confidence of the players' sake. Obviously, they're not going anywhere this year, but it's always good to get a win at home. Hopefully, they can do it. Yeah, I think one of the things we have to be rooting for for the Nebraska men's basketball game is a dirty play by Brad Davison, honestly, because if he goes if he goes viral on Twitter for another dirty play, people are start looking at Nebraska feeling a little bad for him, putting him in a better light. That's kind of I think that's about the only hope for this Nebraska team at this point in the season. You think he's the Big Ten co- or comparison for a Grayson Allen type? Because I totally do. I, I don't think he's as bad as Grayson Allen. I think he he does some interesting things on the floor. Uh, he takes a lot of charges. He puts his body on the line a lot, but he definitely makes some dirty plays that are absolutely noticeable and seemed to be with intent. So I'd say he's probably the closest thing we've had since Grayson Allen to a dirty player like that, but I wouldn't say he's quite that extreme. You never know. He might get there this weekend. Hopefully those Nebraska players watch out this weekend coming up. Yeah, hopefully. All right, so that does it for this episode of Just Doing Our Cobb. Of course, that was our third episode, and we are now on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts, so you can subscribe to us on either of those platforms as well as SoundCloud. Thank you guys for listening. Uh-huh.